live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in downtown Milwaukee. This is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Vetrano. At 613, just reminding folks, you can watch us now. You can watch the radio. Wisconsin's Morning News and all of our uh, WTMJ shows are streaming live on video here from our studios at the Avenue. They're up at WTMJ.com, on our mobile app, on our WTMJ YouTube page, our social channels, and wherever you get that, you can click on, as opposed to listen live, you can click on watch live. Eric's wearing a lovely shirt today. I bet you're going to call that salmon, right? That's not pink. I was going salmon, yeah. yeah. Coral, salmon. Coral. Oh, coral. There you go, Deb. Thank you. So, the early returns are in on the WTMJ video live stream. So, uh, I got an unsolicited observation from my mother. Unsolicited. <laughs> uh, the text on Friday. Boy, some of that live stream was like watching paint dry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Your old mom blew you up. And then she texted later, you'll have to look good all the time. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we'll have to put on some kind of nice looking shirt, I suppose. Can't, can't, uh, can't wing it, I suppose. So, so yeah, that's, uh, that's why I'm wearing the salmon shirt today. Make sure I look nice. As I frequently say, please watch anyway. <laughs> Eric's mom's critique notwithstanding. And I guarantee you she's going to keep watching. <laughs> I think, well, I told you, my mom thinks I can do no wrong. Like, in terms of, like, the radio, this was great, that was great, the TV was all great. Once in a while, I get a tie critique. Not sure about this one. Ah, Not sure about that okay. one. But usually, pretty pretty good. Now, yeah. others around, there were a lot of criticisms for the team. You know? <laughs> How come this one does this? How come that one does that? Man, throwing Susan right. Kim under the bus, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, she definitely loved Susan. 6.15 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. After earning the top seed and home court advantage throughout the playoffs, the Bucks took on a familiar foe in the Miami Heat in Game 1 at Pfizer Forum Sunday in front of a sellout crowd. But behind 35 points from Jimmy Butler, the Heat stormed Milwaukee and cooled down the Bucks for a final of 130-117. to To take the early 1-0 series lead. The good news, though, following the loss... Chris Middleton, following his knee injury, looked to be back to his old self. So that defense starting to get some stops, and uh, we knew that was where it was going to need to start. So Milwaukee going left to right the other direction with it. Holiday rifles the pass to Middleton. Middleton pulls up just inside the arc. He hits it with a foul. Cash money Middleton trying to carry his team. Minus his tag team compadre, Giannis. Dave Kane on the call right here on WTMJ. Middleton would finish with 33 points to lead the Bucs in, sto- in scoring. As you heard with Dave's call towards the end, the story of the game, though, the Bucs didn't have their best player on the court. Miami did, as the big news of the game was Giannis, who exited the game in the second quarter after playing only 11 minutes with a back contusion, and he would not return. He has a back contusion. Um, there was x-ray that was clear here, so we'll monitor him, see how he does, um, you know, see how he wakes up, how he feels the rest of tonight, tomorrow. Bucks Heat Game 2 is set for Wednesday at 8 p.m. at Pfizer Forum. Over the diamond where Wade Miley pitched seven scoreless innings and Devin Williams, who found himself in a bases-loaded jam in the ninth, was able to buckle down and help the Brewers take home the game and the series win. Coleman collected the pitch, and it's a called third strike. Devin Williams. Lane Grindle on the call right here on WTMJ as the Brewers go on to win 1-0, and they do take three out of four in San Diego for the series win. 
Next up for the 11-5 Brewers is a three-game set in Seattle starting tonight. First pitch is set for 840 with Corbin Burns slated to get the start. Gotta say, I didn't think that one run was going to be enough. I asked you about right. that. I was like, oh. I kept looking at that score. I was like, I don't know about that. I was uncomfortable all through the afternoon. 619 on Wisconsin's Morning News. At 623 on this Monday morning, I'm going to play something for you, and I want you to listen closely, and then we'll describe the visuals that go along with what you've heard. Ah, you! So that's a guy, dashboard camera rolling in his car, driving in the fifth ward. You can see, actually, in the video, the Allen Bradley clock tower is, is visible, so he's driving maybe first or second street mm-hmm. in through there. And a car runs a red light. So he's got the green, very clearly. Car runs a red light, and then he T-bones that car. He smashes right into it. TMJ4 is Sean Gallagher on the story. I never expected there wouldn't be any kind of punishment. The woman who blew the red light didn't even get a warning. According to an internal investigation, the officer involved did not issue a citation because this was a bad day for everyone involved. Instead, allowing the police report to dictate who the at-fault driver was for insurance purposes. Not giving a ticket sends the wrong message. So that's right. Our guy Joe here, he is in the right. He's got clear green light. Woman ran a red light. He smashes into her. He's banged up pretty good, says he's still months later having health issues. And his car started on fire. So it was a total Whoa. loss. Okay. And he's not asking for anything more other than, you're kidding me, right? She didn't get a ticket? Now, why wouldn't you get a ticket for blowing a red light and ramming into somebody? Well, that's an interesting question. Not a ticket, not a warning, not any sort of citation whatsoever. And the officer who wrote up the report, and the police report does detail who was in the wrong, but just said no, no ticket was issued because, as Gallagher noted in his report, it was a bad day for everybody. How, though? How? Right? And I, I get where the bad officer's day. coming from. We I offer... mean, it's cool. It's nice that he's trying to do that, but dang. Right. But if you're Joe, and you're like, hey, what gives? Like, And a red light ticket, he said uh, Gallagher had, it's like 100 bucks. And clearly this woman caused the crash. So... Not that it changes anything materially, but right, in terms of are we serious about reckless driving? Are we serious about whatever? And here's somebody who was clearly in the wrong, ran a red, doesn't even get a ticket. MPD did investigate, said there was no misconduct. So that's kind of the end of the story there. Is but the, it did raise some eyebrows. Is the idea being that lady's obviously going to have to be paying some money for well, other yeah. things anyway, so... It's not like there aren't consequences, right? Yeah. Her insurance is going to whatever. But, you know, you should lose. If you get in a crash like that and something like you have a moving violation that can cost you points on your license, and shouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes, it should. I mean, I rear-ended a guy on the freeway once. It was terrible. Totally my fault. I wasn't. It was, you know, stop and go traffic and things uh, had sped back right. up. Yep, and I'm yep. like, we're good. And then I wasn't paying attention. And But, I, you know, I'm so grateful that. The young man that I hit wasn't seriously hurt, wrecked his car, smashed up my car, just felt awful. But I got a ticket, and I, and I deserved right, it. Right. And the deputy, it was a sheriff's deputy, Milwaukee County Sheriff's deputy, who stopped and you know, helped get us out of traffic, made sure everybody was okay, You know, wrote up the reports and whatever. And at the end, and he recognized me from TV, and he's like, uh, you know, I'm real sorry, I'm going to have to cite you, you for this. Here, I'm like, yeah. hey, man, 
we're good. I did it. <laughs> Don't need to apologize to me. <laughs> totally screwed up. Right. And it just raised some eyebrows here that in Milwaukee, where we talk about reckless driving, reckless driving, reckless driving, here's someone who was clearly in the wrong, didn't even get a ticket. Would it have changed anything? No, but our guy Joe would have felt a little better about it. You! And at 6.42 on Wisconsin's Morning News, I was listening to our Sunday morning shows here in WTMJ, and specifically WTMJ's Conversations. Libby Collins is our host. Libby's a super lady. I really enjoy working with her. Does a great job with these conversations. And I was, I was really moved by the story that she shared. It was about a local guy. His name is Ed Hennings. As a young man, he dealt drugs, and he got into a scrape with some people. He was, as he tells it, trying to defend a family member, but he ended up shooting and killing a teenager. Sentenced to 40 years, served 20, and just has an amazing story of redemption. The day this happened, a relative of mine got jumped by a couple guys in the community, according to his recollection of what happened. So he came and got me, and I said, I know some of the guys that be out there. So we walked over there, me and him. And I began the same routine that I always go through. Hey, man, is everything all right? And it was me and him. And it was about 10 to 15 other people. And I just began to ask those questions like, what's going on, man? Everything okay? Never raised my voice, went after anybody. Just trying to do what I normally do. I straighten these type of things out. So my relative, he began to argue with a couple of guys that was in the yard. He started to say, hey, man, you guys jumped on me, and I didn't appreciate that. I, I don't and think he used those words, yeah, right? Yeah, he didn't yeah, use okay. those words. <laughs> and they began to say right back at him, like, whatever, well, it's to it. So as I was getting this thing under control, three other guys showed up, and they didn't look too happy about us being there. And that's when things got real. Again, Ed Headings ended up shooting and killing one of those people in the altercation. And you hear Libby jumping in from time to time. I mean, what I loved about how the interview that she conducted is she was she asked all the questions that you would ask of Ed, you know, like, hey, could you have prevented this? What did you do? What were you feeling at mm-hmm, the time? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it goes through Ed's whole story about uh, being accused of the crime, being convicted of it, being sentenced. What I found really moving was he talks about the humiliation, his word, humiliation of having his mother and his grandmother have to testify at his sentencing hearing. And then what it was like in the joint, what he learned how to do, and how he turned it all around. So I would totally encourage you to uh, listen to our WTMJ conversations. You can access that at WTMJ.com or wherever you get your podcasts. A really great listen. Libby Collins interviewing Ed Hennings in a fascinating story. 645 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Time for an update from the Gruber Law Office's One Call, That's All Sports Desk. Here's Brandon Snide. The Milwaukee Brewers only scored one run Sunday afternoon, and with seven sharp scoreless innings from Wade Miley, that would be all they need for the win. Devin Williams came in for the save after stranding the bases loaded, and the Brewers win 1-0 to improve to 11-5 on their season. Next up for Milwaukee is a three-game set in Seattle starting tonight. First pitch is set for 840. Over to the NBA, where the Miami Heat got a game-high 35 points from Jimmy Butler and take Game 1 from Milwaukee by a final of 130-117 to at Pfizer Forum. Chris Middleton led the Bucks with 33, and Bobby Portis added 21. Giannis, who left the game in the second quarter with a back injury, he would not return. Following the game, Coach Mike Budenholzer described the injury as a back contusion and stated his x-rays were clear. Bucks and Heat Game 2 is set for Wednesday at Pfizer Forum with an 8 p.m. tip-off. It's time for Extra Points. 
a sports opinion commentary on Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's Brendan Snide. The NBA is one of the most popular leagues worldwide with many household names and fantastic storylines, but it also has a, it has a major problem. Raise your hand if your heart skips a beat each time Bucks MVP candidate Giannis Antetokounmpo rises for a dunk or a layup and you see a defender decide to slide underneath him for a, quote, defensive play. If you're like me, yesterday was the cherry on top, and it's time for Adam Silver and the NBA to get rid of the charge play for the defenders. Two of the game's biggest stars on the same day, just hours apart, both left a playoff game and would not would not return after a defender, instead of, oh, I don't know, playing defense, decided to undercut them as they were in midair. Both John Morant and Giannis left their games early and would not return due to a defender sliding underneath them late to force a charge. Morant with a, would leave with a wrist injury, and Giannis would leave with a back injury. Both of their statuses are unknown for their game twos. It is the most dangerous play in all of basketball, and really there is no debate. Outside of it being dangerous, the referees have also zero idea how to call it consistently. Every game, the question is always debated, what is a charge? What is a block? No no one has an idea, and at best, it's a guess in real time. Whether it's a charge or a block, once you stop incentivizing the play, the less injuries will occur. What happened to just defending the player and the shot? There's nothing special about taking charges, in my opinion. I'm not sure I'm not breaking any news here, but despite what Marcus Smart does night in and night out, it is possible to play defense without finding yourself on the floor each time. During the past season, the Bucks' top five ranked defense, well, they proved that, finishing second in contestant shots while drawing the second fewest charges in the league. If it was up to me, and obviously it's clearly not, I would just go back to letting guys play defense and less worried about flopping like a fish night in and night out. The bottom line, the NBA has made changes quickly following safety concerns. And this offseason, Adam Adam Silver must really think about banning the charge. It is, in my opinion, without a doubt, the most dangerous play in the game today. At 6.53, indications this morning that Fox News could avoid going to trial with Dominion Voting Systems, which is suing the company for $1.6 billion. Dominion alleges that while Fox hosts were promoting election lies on air, they were privately expressing disbelief in texts and email. ABC's Lindsay Watts with the basis for the defamation suit trial, which was supposed to begin today, now delayed until tomorrow. And there's speculation that a settlement could be in the works. ABC News political analyst Steve Roberts is with us from Washington this morning. I guess, Steve, without without regard for whether there is indeed a settlement on the way, Fox's defense has always been it's not defamation. Despite their private concerns about the veracity of the claims being made on their shows, they say they were just airing the grievances of newsmakers, President Trump and his allies. That's right. Look, there were two related questions here. One is ethics. The other is law. I teach media ethics and have for many years at George Washington University. I can tell you from an ethical point of view, this is an open and shut case. Fox acted profoundly unethically. They knowingly put people on the air who were lying. And they said it in these private communications, and yet they put them on the air over and over. At one point, Fox, of course, was the first uh, news organization to announce that Arizona had gone for Biden and therefore he'd be the next president. They went ahead and fired the two chief uh, uh, analysts who called that election because um, 
their uh, viewership was so angry uh, at the fact that they had told them the truth about Arizona. So from an ethical point of view, there's no question here. From a law, legal point of view, it's a different question because the Sullivan case of 1964, Sullivan versus New York Times, set a very, very high bar. It said that in order to uh, be guilty of defamation, news organization had to act with actual malice. And what they de- defined malice as a reckless disregard for the truth. In other words, not only that what they said was wrong, they knew it was wrong and went ahead and broadcast it anyway. And uh, that standard has protected all news organizations, left and right, conservative and liberal. And Fox is saying, look, we're defending the First Amendment here and we're defending all news organizations from uh, frivolous lawsuits. So um, uh, ethically, there's no question. Legally, there's still a very much an open question. Do you see the possibility of a settlement here, Steve, just because, you know, if you're Dominion, if the price is right, I suppose, and also enough of this information is out that perhaps they feel like uh, we've sort of been cleared in the arena of public opinion? Yeah, I think there is a possibility of a settlement for a couple of reasons. First of all, even though that legal bar is very high, um, most legal scholars feel Fox is in deep trouble. And already the judge in Delaware has made several key rulings against Fox. He's already said what you put on the air was false. He said that's not a question. The question is how false, but it was false. And um, uh, so he's tilted very much in favor of Dominion. The second issue that I think is very important here uh, is if you go to trial, that means that uh, many of these key Fox personalities, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and the owner of Fox, Rupert Murdoch, could all be put on the stand. And we know from pre-trial discovery, all of these private conversations and communiques that have already been made public, people like um, Tucker Carlson said, I hate Donald Trump. I can't wait for the day when I don't have to talk about him again. Look, and, and, and Fox's whole business model is supporting Trump and, and pandering to Trump uh, Voters Now, think of how embarrassing it would be if Tucker Carlson is on the stand and the lawyers say, Mr. Carlson, did you say that uh, you hated Donald Trump? And remember, Mr. Carlson, you're under oath here. You can say whatever you want on Fox News on television. But when you're under oath in a courtroom, it's a very different standard. I think that Fox has got to be looking at the possibility and thinking this will pay. We should be paying almost anything to avoid the possibility that our leading stars who we count on to bring in viewers and and drive up our profits, we don't want to put them in that extremely embarrassing position of having to answer for those private communiques. ABC News, Steve Roberts. Thanks so much, Steve. Appreciate that. Sure. And again, indications this morning that there could be settlement talks ongoing with that trial delayed at least for one day.